Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Mind Shifters Radio with the Forgiveness Doctor, Dr. Michael Rice. I'm Jeannie Rice, your co-host. We also have co-hosts Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pichet. We will share with you the wisdom of the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. We offer tools and support five days a week. We will support you in building a solid foundation within yourself to live in pure love in Aramaic, Brachma. Michael is the author of the book, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? For more information about the forgiveness process, please visit www.whyagain.org. And now, welcome to the show, Mind Shifters Radio. Hello and welcome to Mind Shifters Radio. I'm your host for the first hour, Tim Hayes. And today is Wednesday, July 19th, 2023. As always, we're grateful to everyone who chooses to join us here today, whether you're listening live or through the archives, as we spend another couple of hours teaching and supporting people in using some of the most powerful, effective, efficient, and accessible tools I've ever encountered. These tools are available absolutely free through the tireless efforts of Dr. Michael and Jeannie Rice on the website at whyagain.org. If you go to that website and click on the two words that say start here in the upper left-hand corner, It will take you to a page where you can download and read Chapter 24 of Dr. Michael Rice's book. His book is titled, Why Is This Happening to Me Again? And that chapter of that book contains a narrative description and explanation of the primary tool in this work. That tool is called the Reality Management Worksheet, sometimes called the Reality Management Wake-Up Sheet. And it's a tool I've been using to great effect for almost 19 years now to improve the quality of my life and most of my relationships and to turn any negative emotional experience I have into part of the infallible guidance system that each and every one of us has been given. You can also download a whole host of audio files of shows just like this one. You can also download the actual worksheet process itself. And you can also go to your app store and type in the three words Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness. If you choose to do that, before you're done typing the word forgiveness, you'll see the glowing heart icon. If you tap on that, it will let you download a completely free and private app that contains the Reality Management Worksheet. It contains an abbreviated version of that worksheet process. And it contains a copy of the Dragon Klingon game, which is a wonderful way to introduce these tools to even younger audiences. We hope people do all of that soon and often, primarily because it tends to improve the quality of people's lives the more they actively engage these tools. And secondarily, because it tends to prompt comments, questions, answers, and testimonials. And if you have any of those to share with us, we would appreciate your doing so by giving us a call at 563-999-3581. If you do that, Call that number, press 1 on your phone. It will put the little icon of a hand by your phone number. I can turn on the microphone and announce you by your area code. And we can have a conversation. 
You can also email. You can send me an email at tjh at mindshifters-academy.org. Or you can email Jeannie at J-E-A-N-I-E at whyagain.org. That's W-H-Y-A-G-A-I-N dot O-R-G. And we appreciate when people do that because it makes it far easier for us to live into our intention with this work. The intention with this work is to be of service. And that's just a whole lot easier to do when we get feedback from people about how our topic, how our discussion, how the books we choose, how that's landing for people. So if you're if you're willing and able, give us a call or send us an email. Let us know how we can support you in more and more vigorous and productive ways. I mentioned the app. Um, which is available for Google or iPhone. And um, I'm trying to pull it up here because I did a worksheet this morning on some of the, uh, the energy of grief that's been up for me over the past week or so. And uh, I have it. Uh, it. It was done on the app, and now I can pull it up because I decided to send it to myself as a PDF. And now I can read it in email or print it out, and that's just one of the many benefits of the app. Um, I can do it in the middle of the night. I don't have to get out of bed to get paper. I can do it in my car when I'm outside the store in the parking lot and something occurred that I chose a negative interpretation for and I can do the worksheet and dismantle some of that energy before I drive off. And the worksheet that is currently on the app is a seven-step worksheet. And um, so uh, it one of the things that I tell people I haven't done it in the last few times we've done worksheets on the internet show is it's very useful to read and reread all the work all the words on the worksheet because it, it's a way of peeling back the layers of my conditioning my culture has conditioned me to believe that to forgive means to pardon someone myself or somebody else my culture has conditioned me to believe somebody else is making me angry, sad, scared, hurt, or frustrated, etc. And when I read every word on the worksheet, it helps me peel off a layer of that conditioning. It reminds me of some of the truths that I can observe for myself. And so this worksheet says my reality equals any perceptual output that's been constructed by my mind. And forgiveness is a tool for waking up from and changing my reality. And the question becomes, why would I want to change my reality? Well, if I create a reality that leaves me feeling a negative emotion, I probably would benefit by picking up a worksheet and reminding myself that this has all been an inside job. My culture wants me to believe somebody or something outside of me 
did or said or didn't do or didn't say something they shouldn't or should have done. And that's why I'm feeling the emotion I'm feeling. Or this outside life event is generating my grief or my hurt or my confusion. But this reality management worksheet says this wake-up sheet understands that if you change your mind, you change your life. And the premise is that my essential nature, my human life, my very being is the energy of love, of creation. And it recommends if I have any trouble under, understanding what that is, that I remember the first time I held a newborn or I remember the first time I held a kitten or a puppy. And I just tap into the true nature of this being. It also says that the goal of this internal forgiveness wake-up sheet is to empower me to remove fear and or hostility from that internal system so that I can return my awareness to my experience of being love, being the extension of the creative energy in form, and be aware of it 24 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all year long. And then it asked me to specify my emotional upset. My emotional upset I chose in this worksheet. It's been bouncing all over for the past week, but I chose seven. And the worksheet says, I, Tim, who am love, am experiencing the emotion of grief. And it reminds me to use a separate worksheet for each emotion. And it reminds me that all hostility and fear come from corrupt internal data And they indicate my mind's use of a process known as sustained incoherence. Essentially what that means is creating a negative experience with a mental process and then deciding I'll use that same mental process to try and end the experience. It just doesn't work. But I'm using that nonsensical internal process to create this disturbing internal construct. And when I do that, my denial that I'm the one creating that upset causes my carbon-based memory, causes the programmed hard drive in my brain to displace my experience of myself as the essence, as love, as the creative energy expressing in form. And it tells me the lie that my emotions are caused by someone or something outside of me. My story, my reality is that The people I care about are suffering. So in this worksheet, one C is the people I care about. And the story is they are suffering. So then I breathe and I remind myself, wait a minute, if they're the one with the problem, why am I the one with the pain? So I breathe and I soften and now one D asks me to specify my thoughts. It says the truth is, Only my thoughts cause my emotional upset. So I breathe and soften and I clarify what is the thought I'm using to generate this grief. And the thought I came up with is the world and life should be perfect. Basically, you know, the way I think they should be, but I summarized it as the world and life should be perfect. Step 1E says, I want to punish the people I care about 
by withdrawing. And I don't really want to do that, but the more they're suffering and the more I feel discomfort around their suffering, there's this kind of a an impulse to withdraw. And or punish myself by, and what I wrote here is, beating myself up for not being perfect. Right? Some, some other thoughts were coming like, I should be able to end their suffering or help them use the tools or you know, rescue them or whatever. So I just summarized it as, I beat myself up for not being perfect. Then the worksheet says, I want to release and surrender the emotion of grief, myself as the person in the worksheet, the people I care about, my thought that the world should be a perfect place, the punishment thought of withdrawing, the punishment thought of beating myself up for not being perfect. I surrender all of that to love, and I cancel my need to be right and make up another story out of these brain cells, about out of the content of my mind, out of out of my experience that I've created. And I choose to stop hallucinating proof that my fear and hostility-based story, that my reality is true. And then I choose to love truth and willingly face and process out all of the dis-ease producing energies for and from all of my relations and my generations. And then I willingly go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. And I breathe and I soften. And then step three asks me to specify my desire, the constructive result that I want, the goal for this worksheet that drives my pain perception is that I want the people I care about to be happy, prosperous, and loving. So I breathe and I soften. And step four has me reconnect to my true nature as love. It says I choose love, which is my essence, and when I do, it stirs the love in everyone involved. So I did a little meditation, had my hand on my heart space, closed my eyes, and I thought about one of the more loving memories I have, one of the more joyful memories I have about an interaction with my sons in my family of origin. And I just felt that, felt the smile come to my face, felt the shift away from the grief, and then took a breath and then moved on to step five. Step five says that when I'm upset, my perception is built out of corrupt data. When I'm upset, I'm never seeing things clearly. When I'm upset, as the way of master, as the uh, Course in Miracles says, I'm never upset for the reason I think I am. The worksheet goes on and says, the thing that drives my mind to use that particular data is my goal for the people I care about to be happy, prosperous, and loving. This perception is a limiting, limited picture constructed from a maximum of nine bits of data out of 10,000 brain cells firing in my mind. And by canceling my goal, my replicate mind's reality collapses and gives me direct contact with the denied and dissociated parts of my carbon-based memory. Those denied and dissociated parts of my carbon-based memory project and blame others for its content. 
So while I hold love, conscious, active, and present, I now choose to collapse my mind's lies by willingly canceling my goal for the people I care about to be happy, prosperous, and loving. So I took a breath, settled into that, and then 5B, step 5B says, I invite something outside my conscious logical mind. In this case, I chose Ruka, Ruka de Kucha, the elemental force specific for humans that's implanted in each of us at our creation that's there to break off the effects of our errors in thought and guide us to truth and happiness if we just ask it to. So I'm asking Ruka to restore me to my newborn essence of love, which means restore me to my awareness that my newborn essence is love. I don't have to restore my newborn essence of love. It's never left. It's my essence. Way of Mastery says, you remain as you were created to be. I ask Ruka to restore my awareness to the truth that my newborn essence is love. I ask Ruka to incline me toward healing and to help me open a direct conscious relationship with and gently remove the denied, dissociated, and projected parts of my carbon-based memory and to, to heal my capacity to generate grief And I breathed and I softened. And I did the forgiveness pattern, which is something that's available on the MindShiftersAcademy.org website. On the educational materials page, it's, I believe it's the second link on that page. And it's available both as a PDF download and an MP3 of me reciting it. But it goes something like, I cancel my need to be right. I cancel my need for anyone or anything to change, including myself. I specifically cancel my goal in this worksheet for the people I care about to be happy and prosperous and loving. And I ask to be shown the hidden part of my own mind that's actually creating this upset. And when I did that this morning... I had a an actual flood of life event thoughts that went from college years. It bounced all over the place. It went to when I was four and five years old. It went to thoughts about my father's father, who I never knew, who died when my father was six. Thoughts about some of the more poignant times, loving and grief-filled that happened between me and my father, between my grandfather on my mother's side and his sons. It was just all over the map, and I had tears flowing, and I had... It, 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 it was not a sobbing kind of a cry. It was just... Um, the tears flowing, right? So my face wasn't contorted. I didn't have any difficulty breathing. I wasn't feeling gut punched or anything like that. I just sat there and had this 
kind of kaleidoscopic wheel or this Rolodex of images that just kept flipping through. And I got in touch with these different waves of energy that I would associate with grief. And some of them were just strong visceral energies and some of them had more intellectual thoughts attached to them. And I probably sat there for five minutes, which seemed like forever in a, in a process like this. And then I just breathed and softened and scanned my body and did a little, oh, what I call it, you know, a mental or physical inventory. And what I settled on was I feel a little bit lighter. It wasn't any big dramatic insight or it wasn't like some big calving chunk of an iceberg fell away, but I felt a little lighter and I got the very clear awareness and this phrase came out, I have wanted the world to be different since I was four years old. So I clearly had tapped into something I definitely wanted to be different when I was four years old. I wanted to be able to talk to my father about his dad and have us stay connected. But every time I tried that, my dad would shut down, probably because of his unresolved grief. So I had that thought. I now see that, and I put this in 6A. I wrote, I now feel a little bit lighter. 6B, it says, about number one, I see that, and here's what I wrote. I have wanted the world to be different since I was four years old. And then in 6C, I asked to be shown a time when I have not fulfilled number three. In other words, when I have not lived my life happy, prosperous, and loving. And what I wrote was something that just came to me very strongly, which was my insistence that the world be different has blocked me from being happy, prosperous, and loving. So that's what I wrote in there. And I have a hunch that the more I work with that, those two things, the realization that I have wanted the world to be different since I was four years old, and the insight that my insistence that the world be different has blocked me from being happy, prosperous, and loving. And my hunch is the more I work with that, the more I'll get revealed and loosened up. So the seventh step here is that a principle of the universe is that by giving, I first get the original. So I choose gratitude for this opportunity to heal, and I choose truth and perfect love. And to all the people that I care about, in number three, I structure, or in number one, C, I structure the truly loving goal toward you all. And I offer that I'm going to do two more worksheets on my grief before this day is over. And then I commit to love to living a human life and to help achieve this I do a mass canceling of all the times I've wanted number three from someone and the initials that came to me to put there aside from my own was 
my father's, my mother's, and my two sisters. So I put that in there. I breathed and softened. And when I did this worksheet this morning, I had gone from a level 7 upset down to a level 4. And so I marked it a successful worksheet. So that was the worksheet that I did today on the emotion I was aware of feeling as grief and the thought I was using to create that grief, which is I'm trying to pull it back up here again. It's not coming up. Where is it? Oh, 1D. The thought I'm using to create this is well, isn't that something? The world and life should be perfect. They should be other than what they are. And then at the end, there was this very strong, I would say, a deep realization that my insistence that the world and life should be other than what they are is the very dynamic that's preventing me from being happy, prosperous, and loving. When I hold that as active. So, 563-999-3581. We've got about 34 minutes left. If someone has a comment or a question, area code 520, is this Audrey? Yes, Dr. Tim. It is. I have a, a quick question. I had I did a worksheet, and then during the day, I felt like Let's say a truck ran over me. All right. Is this part of the process or is yes, it just no, whatever? That's, that's part oh, of the process. Part? Absolutely. Oh, so that's I why it says in the worksheet. It. Well, here's, it says in the worksheet, not the five-step one that you have, but in this one that I just did, it says, yes. I choose to love truth, to, to, to honor truth, Right? I choose to honor truth, and I willingly face and process out all of the disease and dis-ease producing energies for and from all of my relations and my current, uh, all of my current relationships and the generations. And then it says, I willingly go through the physical, mental, and emotional symptoms of healing. What you just said, you feel like a truck hit you? That's yes. letting go of the negative energies. And as Dr. Michael Rice points out, a negative energy on its way in doesn't feel very good. And on a negative energy on its way out feels the same way. It does not feel good. So I need to be willing to feel that, to keep my breath moving, to soften, to allow, and just drink more fluids and do more of the right things, which might very well include another worksheet or two or a breath session or an EFT tapping session. 
and just allow that energy to move through me and not make it into some big scary thing, but just understand it's energy. Thank you for further explanation. Each time I do a worksheet or I listen uh, uh, to an archive, it becomes clearer to me. I'm a process uh, I'm a work in progress, and I know um, I'm not the fastest learner, but one of my strong points, I persevere. So thank you for explaining that to me. Um, I know what you said, the words, because I heard you just um, prior to when you unmuted me, how you did the worksheet, and I heard the word physical and, and what you what you said, and I'm thinking to myself, no, I'm just going to ask him for clarification, and you have clarified. And thank you so much. Blessings You're and peace. You're very welcome. Thank you. Thanks for the call. I'll mute you so you can continue to listen. So we've got 30 minutes left, plenty of time for a comment or question. Um, 610, believe this is Susan. Hi, Dr. Tim. I had a question about your worksheet. Your goal was that the world, could you read your goal again? Be good if I could, wouldn't it? Uh, here, um, it, it, it'll come up here. Just just breathe for a minute, soften. It'll come okay. up here. I'm on. I'm trying to pull it up on my phone because I don't want to screw up the computer that has the uh, switchboard on it. So, um, oh, I, so the goal. I always want my goal to be focused on who I think is my trigger. And I think my grief is generated because 1C, people I care about are suffering. Mm. So my goal in number three is that I want the people I care about to be happy, prosperous, and loving. Okay. And the thought, I... the thought I'm using to create my grief is that the world and life should be perfect when they're not. Okay. All right. I had confused that last thing with your goal, that I want the world to be perfect and this and that, but that was, that was That's the, the thought, thought I'm okay. using to create my grief, right? I'm, I'm saying okay. this is all wrong. It, the world should be perfect. People shouldn't be suffering I want them to be, my goal is, I want the people I care about to be happy, prosperous, and loving. Mm-hmm. And, and then I cancel that goal for them. Yeah, it's, it's all kinds of people. It's people in my family. It's people in my caseload. It's people in the support group. It's all kinds of people in my life right now are going through very high-stress things, physical aches and pains and ailments and you know, mm. impending death and recent death and all it's all over the map. 
wow. people in my caseload and in my support groups have had serious childhood abuse and incest and all that stuff that leads to suffering. Mm. And so I chose to do this worksheet on what's been up for me the past week or so is all kinds of thoughts about this person and that person and this wave of grief and that wave of grief. So I did the worksheet on the grief. Mm. Boy, oh boy, that tool, the worksheet tool would be so good for my daughter-in-law who calls herself a workaholic and she is a pediatric rheumatologist who works for long, long, you know, weeks or months or years with children who are born with rheumatoid arthritis or other autoimmune ailments that affect their bones and their structure. And she carries this home and she says she's overwhelmed with grief over not only the children who have these ailments and challenges, but the parents who are suffering so much about them. Anyway, I I was just wishing that she... uh, I'm kind of an oddball to her, and it would be hard for me to find a way to introduce the tool to her. But it would be so good if she could offload some of this. She expresses her grief by working harder and getting exhausted and irritable. Uh, anyway, it's, I'm so glad you did that worksheet because you, you're you a physician too and here you are working with there's so much input. In, it's enough to have your own life and have the things that are going on in your immediate family, for instance, which is what I feel I'm dealing with. And to extend yourself that far out to take on to listen really be with other people and then carry it around and what you do with it um, it's just good that the tool is there I'm glad you did the worksheet on the show thanks you haven't done one in a while yeah well you know to be clear I did the worksheet this morning at home and just some reporting on it now because the um, yeah the, the, you know the the waves of this stuff have been um, coming or I've been experiencing them for this past week and um, right. last night after the support group I felt it's better use of my time to just get to bed and so I I yeah. made the time to do the worksheet this morning. I didn't even make the distinction in my mind <laughs> with the fact that you did it this morning and and stepped through it again with us listening and doing it right on the radio show. It seemed like the same thing to me, but it wasn't. That's true. Yeah, and that's why I was reporting that, you know, this morning there was about a five-minute processing time where I sat right. there and there were tears and there was, you know, the different physical sensations and the end result was feeling a little bit lighter but still as as i you know was writing that there were still tears that would come yeah sounds as if there's a ways to go 
and why not? These things don't just stop. Yeah, and that's why I made the goal for myself to do two more worksheets on those kinds of images that came up and the grief before uh, before I hit the sack tonight. Before you what? Before I go to bed tonight, before I go to sleep tonight, hit oh. the sack. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't hear you. Thanks. My dad was in the Navy, so that was what we would always go in. We got to a certain age, it was not go to bed and say, let's hit the sack. So. All right. I remember that phrase, too. And, of course, you know, I, I mentioned on Monday that over the weekend I was listening to that book about, you know, the deeper, the more difficult emotions and right. had ways tears coming up throughout the weekend as I would read this and do some processing and do a worksheet here and there, do an EFT tapping session. And so this is just an extension of that. This is a it's an ongoing process as all of our emotional experiences are. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it's kind of silly to think just like I think it's silly to think the world should be different than it is, it's silly to think I'm gonna one day wake up and not have any more emotions. That that wouldn't be mm-hmm. any any healthier than not breathing. It is amazing, though, to be. Uh, as I said, I've got lots of my my daughter's husband is a an emergency room doctor for children. So they just moved to Florida, and he has been. He was in Hartford, Connecticut, for many years, and got accustomed to his practice up there and was very good at it and he never stopped being affected by what happened to the children but when he got to Florida he didn't expect the number of drownings that he was seeing and he had a period where he could have used the tools too he was really really he had built up a set of filters that really weren't very helpful down in Florida he had to sort of start over again Taking on that much of the world when the world is <laughs> closing in on us anyway, it's just a lot. So, And I never really thought of it in terms of the work you do or that Michael does because it's, quote, psychological. But it's the same, dealing with a lot well, of people's you know, pain. It, it really has to do with what the interpretations we give it. I mean, we only feel what we let ourselves feel or what we create. And I know people that do this kind of work that just, they create a set of perceptions that they are above all of this and this is just a job and they're just being professional and 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 so they don't experience the emotions the same way. They don't make it mean the same thing. I wonder if they are as effective as helpers, if that's the case. Well, it all depends I on, mean, it, you know, what you would mean by effective and and what, you know, what kind of a, an outcome you're you're looking for. If they're not allowing themselves to stay connected to their own emotions and understand that we're all in this together, they're going to get an entirely different kind of result 
right. from people who, um, you know, if all they do is, here, here's this technique, you know. Right. Here, mm-hmm. here's this worksheet to fill out. Have a nice life. If that's all they do, they mm-hmm. create one kind of impact and influence. And if they get involved and connected and tap into their own compassion and their own emotions and take responsibility for them, and then they get a different kind of impact. I'm sure that's so, true. Here is... Uh, uh, area code eight two eight with a hand up. So according to our agreement, I'll turn on the microphone. It is Magda. Yes, it is. Hi to both of you. Thank you. Um, so I'm calling to uh, lend my agreement to what Susan said about the worksheet and how incredible it is. Uh, and I'm glad you did that worksheet or shared that worksheet with us this morning. I'm also calling to let you know because when you when you read, you often uh, ask people, let us know how it is uh, uh, settling with you. And <clears throat> yesterday was incredibly important for me, what you, what you were reading. Um, and uh, I'm going to go back to last Friday when I talked with you about um, my fears around dentistry and and that I had just been to the dentist the day before and I was going again yesterday and um, and all of this was was come all of my fear was was coming up again so I um, really um, value the things that we talked about. I did some worksheet material with it, um, and I did some tapping. One thing I found out is that the reason I told you that I was um, rejecting the use of the numbing was because I felt guilty about having um, created any cavities because I was I was eating too much sugar. And so uh, I didn't want to cost my parents any more money. Interestingly, it became very, I became very much aware that that was a punishment I gave myself. That because I had created these cavities, it was my fault and I deserved to be in pain. And I had not been aware of that before. So that was a good thing to to um, straighten out and let go of. Um, and uh, so while I was on my way to the dentist yesterday, and I had two more crowns to put on, so it was a lot of work, two hours in the in the chair, and I um, was listening to uh, just my travel time happened to coincide with your show, which was perfect. And so I was listening to your reading and I was already doing some alming in the car as I was going because I remembered I remembered how much that relax causes relaxation to come up for me. And and then the alming combined with the material you were reading 
It was fantastic. I had this big smile on my face, and I couldn't couldn't even think about getting rid of it. It was just there. <laughs> and so, and um, I was experiencing a great deal of joy. And thank you very much for um, giving us the definition of joy again. I know I've heard it before, and it really hit home for me yesterday. That was uh, absolute joy. And so I went through the dental appointment without shaking this time and did, in fact, have trust, trust that I had been guided, as I always am, to be in the right place at the right time with the right people. And so um, it all turned out very well. And I thank you um, again and again for doing the reading. This is a fantastic book as the other choices that you have done before. And so that's it for me. All right. Thank you. I'm grateful for the feedback and glad it was useful for you yesterday. And congratulations on uh, um, the experience, the modified experience in the dental chair. That, that's wonderful news. Yeah. Yeah. It really was a wonderful experience to walk in with a smile and be there with a smile and laughing and joking with with people and uh, walking out with a smile, too. So thank you again for your help last Friday. And, um, and so I will, um, I will, <coughs> I have a tickle in my throat. All right. Oh, you, so you can listen. Again. All right. Okay. Blessings. Area code 541, you're in the air. Yes, Belinda here. Welcome. Um, that worksheet was absolutely perfect for what I went through yesterday when I got stung by four wasps and my reaction to it, not only physically, but mentally and emotionally. And so I would like to go back and listen to your worksheet and possibly reframe the worksheet I did um, to more match the uh, specific attentive focus you had on the thought and the goal and the um, emotion that you were feeling. Um, Just a lot of stuff all came up, and I'm still processing other stuff because I woke up realizing there was other stuff this morning. So um, thank you. I would love to go through a workshop, a worksheet once I refinish it uh, with you to see if I have successfully paid attention to the actuality of what was going on for me. Um, thank you very much. And I still think we're the three musketeers and i just about ready to add Audrey to our our four. <laughs> <laughs> we'll now be the four musketeers, or maybe the four mouseketeers. I'm not, or the monkey mature. Something will be something. Yay! Um, it's this whole process for the past four years. Even watching my resistance, like I get a lot of resistance sometimes. That I deny, of course, on the show, but as soon as I hang up from Michael, I uh, 
I get my resistance in spades. <laughs> it shows up, and I'm still uh, sorting through or connecting uh, what is actually my resistance to being shown and what is my inner intuitive, insightful, and inspirational knowing that that may be true. It has not been. I'm not sure that my integrity. it's my connection or, Susan, was that breaking up for you too? Yes, breaking up for me, Michael. Yep. So, Celinda, we were losing you there. Um Right. What did you I lose? I think we got the um, I, I don't know. Yeah, what did I not hear? Let me tell you what I didn't yeah. hear. I didn't hear <laughs> I didn't hear when you said how old you were, how tall you were, what kind of car you drive. I missed all of those was, things. Yeah, was it the breaking up or do you think I might have had my um my speaker in the wrong position? I I don't know what would have caused it, but Okay. I, I think I got the gist of what you were saying. You said that your resistance comes up uh, even when you don't think it does. As soon as you hang up from listening to Michael's half of the show, then your resistance is right there in your face. That's all I'm really clear about what you were saying. Okay. And my um, what I am waiting to be shown about is that my resistance to learning something new and to choosing again, or is it my resistance to know that, that may be the other person's reality, their life experience, and absolutely true for them, and yet it does not um, resonate on any level for me as being true for me, and that I sometimes feel um, a constriction, and I have no idea if it's a constriction of my belief system or another's belief, uh, and so I, I'm just waiting and asking to be shown, and it'll show up. But this other incident I told you about the wasp things, that that was as clear as spades. And it, I'd made a lot of uh, mental connections before, and I'd even made a lot of heart connections, but I hadn't made the connection between my behavior in the external world towards others or towards myself, was directly connected to this two-year-old experience I had with my mother. It's it's all very fascinating, my, um, Dr. Tim. It's incredibly fascinating to be on this well, four-year journey with the Aramaic Gospel. Well, and it, you know, that, the thing that comes to me to say is that, that we don't get to determine what we're holding in our minds at a subconscious or unconscious level that's going to get resonated for us. We just need to be willing to deal with it when it does. And it may not make logical yeah. sense, and that doesn't matter. If it's gotten resonated, It's that's, what, that's what's up for us to deal with in that moment. Right, and we can't, it's like forcing. Forcing is, uh, forcing, like Magda said about perfection, that's a big issue for me. It may be a big issue for Susan. 
and the demand, we won't let go of the demand because we have given our power away already, and we don't, we can't actualize the fact that we actually are very powerful. It's all bound up. Our power is all bound up in that goal that's projected out there, which we have no control over. It's just like, wow. Well, I'm glad it's finding you or, some, or that you are finding some clarity through the process, so. Feel free to keep us posted. Anything else we can do to support you today? Or any other comments you'd like to share? Um, no, not at this time. I feel complete and I feel very contented. And I, my joy and my peace and my love actuality that I am will show up. I just have to be, I don't have to do anything. I can choose to be patient. Yeah, it'll show up when it shows up, whether you're patient or not. So. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Your, your, your choice to be patient or not is going to help you create your experience of life, but it's not going to make the world speed up or That's slow down. Right. So. The willingness to do that is a step forward in trust for me. It'll show up when it shows up because that's another link for me to uh, let go of this perfection thing, that it's all my fault, that I have to be perfect. And if I would just do it right, it would show up and I would be ready and I wouldn't be resistant. There's no end to the chain <laughs> except well, choosing Well, thank you again for the call. And uh, I'll, I'll remind you that... Um, if you're so inclined, we have a support group again tomorrow, and um, I invite you to keep us posted. Yes, and I would have been at your last two support groups. Uh, our, our, our life is crazy right at the moment because change is imminent, and we're trying to discern what is the best change for all concerned. And I just found that I was totally exhausted both evenings. I just could not get myself into the garden so that I could listen to your show. Well, it sounds like good self-care. So we'll support you in that. Thank you. And I'll mute you so you I can listen to the there. second hour. Oh, you said you won't be there. Yes, I won't be there um, Thursday because we have an important business meeting that they scheduled right on the time frame for me coming to the garden. So I'll be there okay. next Tuesday. All right. To the best, Blessing. to the best of my ability. Thank you. All right. So we have time five six three nine 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 three five eight one. We've got about four, maybe five minutes left, depending upon how long it takes Jeannie to get logged in. Do you have any thoughts? Do you have any questions? Do you have any? Comments. Did Solinda's commentary spark anything for you, Susan Bingham? No. I there is something I'm gonna get ready to talk about, but I'm not ready to talk about it yet. 
I feel very okay. nervous about my my uh, um, I feel sort of out of control, so I don't know how to bring anything up. You you're nervous about bringing stuff up on the internet show. Yeah. Okay. Well, and you know, we've 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 tried to say this to people before, and sometimes people for what you might call privacy, not secrecy, but privacy, sometimes people decide, you know what, that's not something I want to share on the Internet show, so I'll get support in a support group or in a private consultation or I'll do my own worksheets, and that's perfectly acceptable. It's not like you have to bring everything that you ever work on to the support group mm. or your, or right. the uh, Internet show or you're a failure. It's so... So I'll turn on the microphone for Anne. I think it's Anne 760. Yes, I just wanted to join the train that's happening there. <clears throat> the, the journey of us all. I support everything and just, yeah, nodding my head, <clears throat> excuse me, nodding my head with, you know, what you read, what you did, your worksheet, and Audrey's. <clears throat> and if Audrey's still on there, I don't know, but I figure like, we're all on this train. I think I want to change it to that it, it, might have, it might have been a slow train in the beginning, but with all of us and our input and the way we support each other and the community supports each other, I think the train is speeding up. So just wanted to throw that out there. Thank you. All right. Well, um, <laughs> by... My my experience hanging around Dr. Rice long enough makes me want to say, so clearly there's something that some part of you wants you to say and another part of you doesn't want you to say. So be gentle with yourself, get a drink, clear your throat, and maybe maybe make a note about about these conflicting motivations within you. Yes. I'll, I'll mute you so you can listen to the second hour. Blessings. And I'll mute you, Susan. Thank you again for your comments. And uh, I'll remind us all that we come from love. We're made of the stuff that we call love. We actually are love, and everything else is false. And I'll welcome Jeannie Rice. Thank you, Dr. Tim. I appreciate you. You're welcome and deserving. Have a wonderful show. Thanks. So welcome, everybody, to the second hour of Mindshifters Radio. And... Today is Wednesday, July the 19th, 2023, and our call-in number is 563-999-3581 and press 1, and that puts you into queue to talk to us, and we'd love to hear your comments and questions because that makes this your show. And while we're waiting on Michael to dial in, I'll just say that testimonial that Terry gave, and he actually gave part of it on the radio show the other day when he talked about going in the bank and, and his anger came up, and so he put himself in time out. And so uh, we asked him if it was okay if we put that out on the website as testimonial. So it is out there now. It's under testimonials. It's under the link under today's radio show. You can also find it there and click and listen. It's just a few minutes long, and it's powerful. 
So thank you, Carrie, for doing the work and and sharing with us uh, the changes that you've seen. And uh, we appreciate you. So uh, let's see what is going on this week while I'm waiting on Michael. Uh, tomorrow, the 20th, you know, we normally do the regular book club on the second and the fourth Thursday. Well, on the third and fifth Thursday, not every month has a fifth Thursday, but so tomorrow is um, the third Thursday, and so they'll be doing the Course in Miracles. You can access those if you go to the website, and you can click on Schedule, or you can go down to Events, either one, and you'll see it says um, under Schedule, it's got Global Online Book Club, and underneath it, there's a Global Online Book Club Course in Miracles. And so you can pick up the archives for all of those and listen to them. They're very powerful. I just finished Chapter 6 of the Why This Happening to Me Again book. And under the Course in Miracles, uh, they have uh, listened to um, Introduction and Advanced Understanding to A Course in Miracles and then The New Beginning. And this coming week, I think they're going to be doing What is the World? What is the World? Yes, that's the plan. Awesome. Okay. I've, uh, there's so many of them going on, I kind of lose track. But And then we have, uh, if you're not familiar with it, under schedule, you can also pick up the free three-hour Why Is This Happening to Me Again workshop. That's the latest one. You can also pick up, uh, if we do a summer season or uh, online intensive or anything like that, you'll pick up those schedules. There's also the codependence communication self-study information. There is the uh, instructional videos to navigate both the website and the app. And then there's also information for the MindShifter Still Point Breathing monthly uh, meeting that we do on the third Saturday and Sunday of every month. So there's a lot of opportunities out there, and we actually it's growing. There's more and more people that are participating in that, and we appreciate their participation and their feedback. So this time I'm going to welcome Michael. Thank you, dear heart, and thank you for the unfathomable amount of work that it takes to keep that 20,000-plus page website in order and keep things, keep on top of it. Um, we couldn't do it, uh, or pardon me, I should say, I certainly couldn't do it. So people owe you a great deal of thanks for what you've done to put that together and also to... Uh, all the support that we get from Daniel and Susan. So thank you all for empowering us to bring this forward on a global scale. And the Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing Workshop this weekend was, uh, I guess we could say nothing short of miraculous. The things that opened, the energy that moved was just, it was it was awesome, and we do the breath work on Saturday. When we do this, it's a one-to-month thing. We do the breath work on Saturday, and we do a process session on Sunday. And I got the gift of a major still point session out of the energy that moved. I think I got a, a boost in vitality, so it took me into a healing crisis the next day. And So I got to do a pretty nice piece of work that uh, was mainly there were some some things that processed and moved physiologically 
and there were some issues that moved through, but they weren't cognitive for me. I could, you know, there were things, you know, you get into a state where you're really in deep process, and uh, they were just on the edge of awareness, but not truly cognitive. But uh, physiologically, got a major shift. And, and so thank you, everybody, that was in the workshop. That was just a, uh, a sweet, sweet process. And beyond that, Miss Nini, do we have anybody in the phone queue with a hand up or anything happening in the chat room? Walk back in there. I stepped away for just a moment and <laughs> getting the little girl settled here. She's uh, very cooperative to look on her tablet and do some learning lessons while we're doing the show. And so we appreciate that. We've had her Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday this week. So it's awesome. We're blessed. Um, I think, yeah, I think all the hands that are up were up for Dr. Tim. So no, and no comments in the chat room. And well, then we've missed reading for a while. How about picking up on the reading, sweetie? Okay. This was actually a, a challenging chapter because we decided it's called The Path of Unconditional Happiness, and it talks about if you want to be happy, and so we decided to change that if you want to be loved instead of be happy. So as I'm reading, I'm tr- I know you're used to even listening to songs on the radio, changing the language as you go, and I'm not as at that, so it may take me just a bit to do this change. <laughs> good, good, good practice, and and we did yeah. speak about that the other day. If you didn't happen to be on the show, reading this section on happiness, you know what in in the actual world, happiness is a thing that uh, the mind. It's actually a, a hit of dopamine, which has been called the body's happy powder, <clears throat> that is triggered into activity when a goal is achieved. And so we're not interested in that type of life. That's, I mean, it's a nice life. It's, it could be cool and all that, but it's not, it's not actually living, achieving goals and being happy about it. And, and sadly, some people achieve negative goals and are happy as a result. That's where people get into negative behavior, and it's a negative feedback. Well, there's a positive feedback loop about a negative uh, behavior. So if people achieve a, a negative goal, they get this shot of happy powder, and that's one of the reasons why the world has uh, gotten so crazy. But what we're moving in the direction of, rather than supporting people in achieving happiness, happiness will be a byproduct of living as a human being. So what we're looking to do is to support people in realizing who they are as love and bringing that state of being into physiology. When that happens, the result is joy. So that would be where we want to go is to to bring that state of joy. It's beyond happiness. It's not, you know, people are, oh, I'm happy I got that. I'm happy that happened. I'm happy about this. But joy is, in, in the words of Teilhard de Chardin, who was a paleontologist and actually a, a Catholic priest, an interesting combination. You can look up uh, <clears throat> some of his, you know, his work is online. Uh, still, and uh, I worked with his material back in the, oh dear, I guess probably the early 60s, late 60s, I'm not sure. In any event, some good stuff, but uh, what he said, and I think very accurately, was that joy is the infallible sign of the awareness of love. He actually used the word God, but 
equating God as love, then, and, and of course, we would need to still adjust that a little bit because if that were true, because the creator is omnipresent, love is omnipresent, uh, if that were true, then everybody would be in joy all the time. Actually, we need to insert one word, and that is joy is the infallible sign of the awareness of the presence of love. So it is always present, but it can be covered up by the hostilities and fears of the mind. <clears throat> so where we want to head is to that state of experiencing ourselves and being able to cognize, bring into cognitive awareness that that's the state of every one of us. And the more we can hold that state, the more we're going to tend to live in joy <clears throat> and be empowered to fulfill all goals, and uh, when that happens, you don't get addicted to uh, happiness, you uh, you live as love. So, just a brief explanation to that, and Miss Jeannie, rock and roll. Okay, and I had given, uh, there were two things, the last time that we read was actually on the 13th, and prior to our show, Dr. Tim had been uh, reading from a walk in the physical and talking about, you know, going beyond uh, your limited view and the perception you created. And I had used Aria's example. You know, we had um, kind of a flood in the kitchen. And she says, yeah, but everything now is nice and clean and shiny. So <laughs> turning it into something positive. And, and, uh, and then uh, um, we had used the example of Terry saying he put himself in time out when he felt his anger coming up. So it's being able to be aware uh, when something's in your face and using the tools to do something with it. Let me see. She's wanting wanting something from me here for a second. Hold on. Okay. If you can talk for just a second. Sure. I'm not sure whether Jeannie <coughs> mentioned, but one of the people that was in the uh, Mind Shifters and Still Point Breathing Workshop there's a gentleman that's been doing this work for some 20 years or so. And um, he had shared with us in the intensive, actually, Jeannie, she probably mentioned, I'm not sure, before I got on. But he had shared in the still point some of his history, history with an abusive criminal father that was in uh, jail, alcoholic abuse, um, weapons, just crazy stuff. And... Uh, that he began to do this work, and it's a pretty powerful share when he talks about his history, and then decided that following Father's footsteps was not where he wanted to live. And he began, he really keyed in and for several years did this work, and then came and spent two years on the support team at Heartland. And the morning that uh, he left Heartland, he completed his two years and was on his way back to, uh, to home. He stopped in a hotel for the night. It was a two-day drive. And he called us the next day, and he reported that for the first time in his life, he woke up without fear, without depression, without trepidation, without pain, and physiologically was in the physical presence of love. Just exactly what we're talking about, Joy. Just for the first time in his life, like the full-blown physiological experience. And my offering is that's what we're designed for. Ultimately, 
you and I are designed to live in the full-blown physiological presence with every cell in our structure being fueled by the active presence of love. And the world has other ideas for us. The world has been brainwashing us, sadly, for generations and generations and generations. And most people spend about 40 years in those generational patterns. You remember the story of the Jews wandering in the desert for 40 years as though one could get lost in a 35-square-mile hot sandy place for that many years. Kind of silly. But we realize that's a metaphor for living unconsciously. So when we live unconsciously, thoughts run the game. And when thoughts run the game, thoughts create the feeling nature. If the thoughts aren't based in truth and aren't based in who we are, then the tendency is to feel pain, trauma, rage, upset at the slightest provocation. And once you start clearing out those thought disorders and aligning with the mind that is of love, then physiology begins to work at a whole new level. Diseases disappear, symptoms disappear, all kinds of things happen. So Jeannie put the uh, recording, she separated that recording out for us, so we'd have it. Terry was happy to uh, to make it available as a kind of a testimonial. And so the link is in the notes if you want to give a listen to what Terry shared directly from him. And I hear your back, sweetie. I'll turn it over to you. Yes. And it's also under on their website under testimonials as well. So you'll be able to find that in several places. All right. So um, it's you know things are going to happen, and you know, but it's up to you whether you stay connected to love. And uh, the example I always give is like the story in the scriptures where the disciples were afraid there was a storm and they were in a boat and and they saw Yeshua walking on water. And Peter had said, you know, I know if you ask me to step out, I can walk on water. And so Yeshua told him, come on. Nothing changed in that circumstances. The storm was still going on. Everything was still rocking. But as long as he stayed focused, he walked above the storm. He walked above on top of the water. And then when he started looking at his circumstances, he sank. And that's when he cried out for help. So it's up to us. We each have different storms going on in our life. And it's up to us whether we walk on water or whether we seek. And so back to the reading, it says, um, the last line that we read was, if you can live this way, your heart will be open and your spirit will be so free that you will soar up to the heavens. This path leads you to absolute transcendence because any part of your being that would add a condition to your contentment to happiness or being loved has got to go. If you want to be loved, you have to let go of the part of you that wants to create melodrama. This is the part that thinks there's a reason not to be happy or not to be content, not to be loved. You have to transcend the personal. And as you do, you will naturally awaken to the higher aspects of your being. In the end, enjoying life's experiences is the only rational thing to do. You're sitting on a planet spinning around in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Go ahead, take a look at reality or actuality. You're floating in empty space in a universe that goes on forever. If you have to be here, at least be happy and enjoy the experience. It says you're going to die anyway, but we know that's not a requirement. 
uh, things are going to happen anyway, and you sh- and why shouldn't you be happy? You gain nothing by being bothered by life's experiences or events. It doesn't change the world. You just suffer, and there's always going to be something that could bring up bothering you if you let it. This choice to enjoy life will lead you through your spiritual journey. In truth, it is itself a spiritual teacher. Committing yourself to... Uh-huh. And living in that state does change the world. Living in pain literally changes the energetic patterns that radiate out from us. And because the, go- the governing energy or the go- governing law of the universe is a resonance, if we fall into living in that state of hostility and fear, then we will over and over attract from the world energetic experiences that are based in hostility and fear. So I would disagree with him there. It does change the world. At least it changes what we radiate out into the world and the results we produce. So when you start to step into that space where it is only love, then it doesn't mean all negative experiences go away. But it does mean, one, you don't fall into them. You don't fall face first into them. And two, they tend to soften, dissipate, and disappear. So committing yourself to being will teach you every single thing there is to learn about yourself, about others, and about the nature of life. You will learn all about your mind, your heart, and your will. But you have to mean it when you say that you'll be happy or be being for the rest of your life. What is that um, quote that uh, you've said before about um, all you have to do, I think it's out of A Course in Miracles, but you have to mean it? Yeah, there's a passage that says if you want happiness, joy, aliveness, all the things you say you want, there's one thing you have to do, only one thing you need to say. And it's like, well, gee, who wouldn't say that? There you go. And then there's a caveat in there that says, say only this, but mean it with no reservations. I create the world I experience. I choose the goals that I achieve. And whatever comes to me, I have asked for and received as I have asked. Deceive yourself no longer that you are helpless in the face of what is done to you. Acknowledge but that you have been mistaken and all effects of your mistakes will disappear. Now, of course, anybody could just say that. That's easy. But (laughs) the the part that says, and mean it with no reservations, because, you know, virtually everybody on the planet, at least everybody that I know of, by the age of four, in in this culture especially, but in most cultures of the world, are quite literally card-carrying members of the one world, universal religion of blame. It's all everybody else's fault. And you can't hold unconscious blame dynamics, whether they're yours or they go back five generations in your bloodline, and make that statement with no reservations. You can't do it. So this work is about opening every level and every aspect of this energy system, yes, right back into our genes and get out of the desert, get out of the state of unconsciousness, get out of the generational patterns and step into the truth of who we are. Yay. 
awesome. So committing yourself to being will teach you every single thing that there is to learn about yourself, others, and about nature of life. You will learn all about your mind, your heart, and your will. But you have to mean it when you say that you'll be that you will be love for the rest of your life. Every time part of you begins to feel unhappy, let it go. Work with it. Use affirmations, and we've talked about that before, that you really don't want to do affirmations because that's kind of like spraying air freshener on the trash can because it stinks. You have It works, but you have to keep it up because if you let it go, then the sink is going to come forward. So instead of doing affirmations, you want to go inside and remove whatever it is that's unlike being you want to forgive. But he says use affirmations or do whatever you need to do to stay open. If you are committed, nothing can stop you. No matter what happens, you can choose to enjoy the experience. If they starve you and put you in solitary confinement, just have fun like Gandhi. No matter what happens, just enjoy the life that comes to you. As difficult as that sounds, what's the benefit of not doing it? If you're totally innocent and they lock you up, you might as well have fun. What good does it do to not have fun? It doesn't change anything. In the end, if you stay happy, you win. Make that your game and just stay happy no matter what. The key to staying happy or being loved is really very simple. Begin by understanding your inner energy. If you look inside you, you will see that when you're happy or when you're being loved, your heart feels open and your energy rushes up inside of you. When you aren't happy, you're not being loved, you're not connected, your heart feels closed and no energy comes up from inside. So stay happy. Don't close your heart. No matter what happens, even even if your wife leaves you or your husband dies, cancel those thoughts, you don't close. There is no rule that says you have to close. Just tell yourself that no matter what happens, you're not going to close. You really do have that choice. When you start to close, just question if you're really willing to give up being. You should examine what is inside of you that believes that there's some benefit to closing. The slightest thing happens to you and you give away your happiness or your being. You were having a great day until someone cut you off on your way to work. It got, you, it got you really upset. It triggered you into upset. Stayed that way for the rest of the day. Why? Dare to ask yourself that question. What good comes from letting it ruin your day? There was no benefit. If someone cuts you off, let go and stay open. If you really want to, you can. I always use the thing, somebody zips past me or something like that. I go, whoo, they must really need to go to the bathroom. They were rushing to get home. <laughs> Just turn it into something different instead of taking it personal. If you, ta- if you take on this path of being, you will go through all the various stages of yoga. I'm not familiar with yoga, so I don't know what that is. You will have to stay conscious, centered, and committed at all times. You will have to stay one-pointed on your commitment and remain open and receptive to life. But nobody said that you staying open is what the great saints and masters taught. They taught that God is joy, God is ecstasy, God is love. If you remain open enough, waves of uplifting energy will fill your heart. Spiritual practices are not an end in themselves. They bear fruit when you become deep enough to remain open. 
If you learn to stay open at all times, great things will happen to you. You simply have to learn not to close. The key is to learn to keep your mind disciplined enough so that it doesn't trick you into thinking that this time isn't worth closing. If you slip, get back up. The minute you slip, the minute you open your mouth, the minute you start to close and defend yourself, get back up. Just pick yourself up and affirm inwardly that you don't want to close, no matter what happens. Affirm that all you want is to be at peace and to appreciate life. You don't want your happiness or being to be conditional upon the behavior of other people. It's bad enough that your happiness or being is conditional upon your own behavior. When you start making it conditional upon other people's behavior, then you're in serious trouble. Things are going to happen to you, and you're going to feel the tendency to close. But you have the choice to either go with it or let it go. Your mind will tell you that it's not reasonable to stay open when these things happen. But you have limited time left in your life. Cancel that. And what's really not reasonable is to not enjoy life. If you have trouble remembering that, then meditate. Meditation strengthens your center of consciousness so that you're always aware enough to not allow your heart to close. You remain open by simply letting go and releasing the tendency to close. You just relax your heart when it starts to tighten. You don't have to be outwardly glowing all the time. You're just joyful inside. Instead of complaining, you're just having fun with the different situations that unfold. Being is a very high path and a very high technique because it involves everything. You could learn yoga techniques such as meditation and postures, but what do you do with the rest of your life? The technique of being is ideal because when you're doing with because what you're doing with the rest of your life is already defined. You're letting go of yourself so that you can remain in love, in being. As far as your and, spirituality goes, uh-huh. And there's a whole other reason to do this. And I, I had a fun conversation with Ari yesterday. Ari is four. Actually, she's going to be five next month, which is really just freaky that she's turning five already. But um, we've got several compost piles. And I was going through one of the compost piles and found a piece of wood that was the, the um, core, the inside of a tree that had fallen not far from our house. And, and it was rotting quite nicely. So I, I uh, gathered a bunch of it and uh, brought it home to put in the compost pile. And so I picked one of those pieces of wood up and I gave it a twist. It's, it's pretty well broken down and opened up, showing it to Arya and, and showed her as it broke open, you know, the piece was maybe uh, two inches square. And there were probably 50 baby ants in it. They're still white albino ants, tiny, tiny ants. And we talked about what we call in, in naturopathic medicine reducer organisms. And of course, well, the conversation they had with her is, you know, this is a part of, a, of the inside of a tree. So if this were still part of the tree, it wouldn't be being eaten. It wouldn't be breaking into pieces. It would be hard. It would be solid. It would be alive. It would be strong. The reason it's decaying 
is because it's disconnected from its source. It's disconnected from the tree. And when disconnected from the tree, when there isn't a vital supply of energy or that vital supply of energy is removed, then there are things called reducer organisms that are designed to reduce that back to dust and put it back, give it back to the earth to build something again in the future. So return it to the soil. And so then our conversation went to, you know, she's, I mean, she's, uh, she's well on her way to her master's in, in naturopathic medicine already. She's just so interested and so in the conversation. And we, we created a comparison. So, you know, if you get a thing they call an infection, what is that? Well, it's an organ or it's a part of the body, it's cells, it's tissue that are disconnected from a proper power supply from love. They become weakened, they start to decay and die. And there are bacteria and viruses that are designed to enhance that decay and return that tissue, that part of the body, just like this piece of wood, back to its source back to the earth to be remolded into something other something else in the future and uh and the the obvious question of course that aria responds to just with just total clarity so that the this piece of wood disconnected from the energy of the tree so it's decaying what is it that we need to stay connected with in order for our cells to stay alive and vital. And she puts her hand up and hands up in a heart sign and says love. And that's and, and, and it's exactly true. When we disconnect, it's no different. Disconnecting from love. Well, you've probably heard me in a Y workshop or if you haven't uh, if you've done a worksheet, you've seen the rose and the butterfly story and perhaps are or not familiar with it. But let's imagine we have a rose and a butterfly. The rose and the butterfly meet. They fall in, quote, unquote, they fall in love. They have this wonderful time together. And one day the butterfly up and flies away. The rose, knowing that the love of the butterfly, the relationship with the butterfly, is the most important thing in its life, uproots itself and gives chase. What happens to the rose? It's going to die. Why does it die? Because it means something more important than being connected to its source. What I'm saying here is there is nothing more important than being connected to your source. If you make something more important than staying connected to love, then you disconnect your tissue structure from the power that's designed to fuel it and you initiate your own death. Death is voluntary. All death is suicide. We do it to ourselves. Go back into the ancient scriptures, and it tells us very clearly, with man, death began. We made the process up. We were not designed for it. And what several years ago became very clear to me was that if if in fact 
the physicists are right that there's only energy and energy is eternal, then we must be energy and we must be eternal and it's only the form that changes. What causes the form to go through the change we call death? Disconnecting from the power supply. So just so you're clear on what you're going to have to do, you're going to have to face every thought disorder that has ever disconnected anyone in your bloodline and resulted in their death. And you're going to have to forgive it. This is not a wimp's work. Following Yeshua is not. I mean, there's an easy path that people talk about, and you just let him do it all for you. But that's, that is absolutely not in accord with his words. There is a work to be done. One particular group of disciples or, or apostles, another word for it, when he told them they had work to do, literally grumbled, moaned, said, too hard a saying, and left. I think they're the ones that made up this story that you don't have to do anything. In fact, you're really a sinner and you can't do anything, and, and that's just the way it is. He's got to do it for you. That's a lie. That's a plain, straight-up fraud. There's a work to be done. And I'm offering that the work that needs to be done is facing every energetic pattern that has ever disconnected anybody in your bloodline ever because that's in our genes to face those energies process through them forgive and reconnect with source reconnect with source what is the source the source is that conscious active present love so that's the challenge yep it's a big task but there's nothing else like it when you start on that path. Go for it, Miss Jean. Okay. This chapter is called The Path of Unconditional Happiness or The Path of Being Love. That's why we're here, isn't it? To be love. He says that's a good chapter. <laughs> okay. Yes. So... <laughs> As far as your spirituality goes, you're going to grow very rapidly. A person who actually does this every moment of every day is going to notice the cleansing of their heart. This is because they're not getting involved in the stuff that comes up. They're also going to notice the purification of their mind because they are not getting involved in the mind's melodrama. Their spirit is going to awaken even if they know nothing about the spirit. They will come to know a happiness that is beyond human understanding, the contentment of being loved. This path, daily life, and it solves spiritual life. The greatest gift one can give to God is to be pleased with his creation. In other words, with yourself. Be loved. We're created in the image of God and in the image of love. Do you think that God likes to be around people that are happy or around people that are miserable? It's not hard to tell. You just think about it by imagining that you're God. You created the heavens and the earth so that you can play and experience yourself, and now you're dropping down to check in on the humans. So God asks the first human he sees, how are you doing? The human says, what do you mean, how am I doing? Well, how do you like it here? Well, I don't like it here. Well, why not? What's wrong? Well, that tree is bent in five places, and I want it to be straight. This person went out with somebody else, and that person ran a $100 phone bill. This person has a nicer car than mine, and that person 
dress is funny. It's just terrible. Plus, my nose is too big and my ears are too small and my toes are weird. I'm not happy with it. I don't like any of it. Well, God says, how about the animals? The animals, the ants and the mosquitoes bite you. It's a terrible thing. I can't go out at night because there are all these animals out there. They howl and they poop all over the place. I just don't like it. Do you think God likes listening to this? He says, well, what do you think? That's hilarious. That I'm a complaint. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> that I'm a complaint department? And then he goes and visits somebody else, and again he asks, how are you doing? The person says, I'm ecstatic. God says, wow, well, how do you like things? Oh, they're beautiful. Everything I look at just creates waves of joy inside of me. I look at that bent tree, and it just blows me away. The ant comes, and it bites me, and it's just so amazing that a tiny ant could be brave enough to bite a giant like me. Now you guess who God wants to hang out with? One of the ancient names for God in the yogic tradition is, and I can't pronounce it, it means eternal conscious bliss. God is as, God is as high as it gets. If you want to be close to God, learn to be loved. If you remain spontaneously happy and centered, no matter what happens, you'll find God. That's the amazing part. Yes, you will find happiness, contentment. You will find love. That is God. But that's nothing compared to what you're really going to find. Once you have passed through trial by fire and you are thoroughly convinced that you will let go no matter what, then the veils of the human mind and heart will fall away. You will stand face to face with what is beyond you because there is no longer a need for you. When you are done playing with the temporal and the finite, you will open to the eternal and infinite. And then the word happiness or love, you can't even describe your state. That's where words like ecstasy, bliss, liberation, nirvana, and freedom come in. The joy becomes overwhelming and your cup runneth over beautiful path. Be happy. Be loved. That's the end of that chapter. You remind me, or he reminds me as he as he says this, there are, well, scriptural quote first. Because I think it was Paul that said, Beware you who judge another, for that in which you judge another, you have been guilty of practicing. And it's interesting that there are certain sects of so-called Christianity that, I mean, they literally put their fingers up like a cross and, and start yelling about how satanic yoga is and that these people are chasing Satan. And the conversation's about living as the presence of love. And they have no idea that what they're doing when they do this whole, you know, competition thing, you know, like my God's better than your God and and therefore yours must be Satan, da-da-da-da, when this is a group of people that's moving toward exactly the same thing that Yeshua talked about and that was living as the presence of love in relationship to neighbor. And interestingly enough, the word neighbor means anybody that you think about. Once you recognize that 
the requirement is, you know, it's like you, you've heard me say before, you know, what do you bring to the party? You know, there are a lot of parties in the world, party of hate and fear and rage and guilt and grief and joy and aliveness and fun and party and, you know, all sorts of things. And the question becomes, what do you bring to the party? Do you bring conscious, active, present love to each event that you visit in your world? If you don't, then you don't have a human life. And it's time to reclaim your human life. Over the centuries, there have been many paths, many cultures have many different paths to reclaiming their human life. And you know exactly what the person who talks about all those satanic worshipers, you know exactly what they're worshiping, and they don't even know it. By the way, in the Aramaic language, there is no dude with a red suit, a tail, and a pitchfork that's out to get us. The word Satan means the resistor. In the original context of the language of this man, Yeshua, the word Satan means the resistor, one who misleads. Now, you watch the average person that is a member, a card-carrying member, the one world universal religion of blame. It's all everybody else's fault. And when you invite them, you know, you say to them, gee, you know, I've, I've noticed you doing this rage and hostility thing. Golly, 87 different times with 42 different people. Have you ever noticed that? Oh, no, 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 no. Wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I, let me tell you how that's justified. And they go into total resistance to any responsibility. And then they've got a story about somebody else, a lie their mind tells them about how it's all somebody else's fault. So recognizing that Satan is the resistor one who misleads the average person when they're asked to be responsible for their lives is in the state of, no, no, not me, and here's my story about how it's all somebody else's fault. Most people in the Aramaic context, the original Aramaic context, as Yeshua used the word, are living their lives trapped in Satan. But of course, when you make it the red dude to sail on the pitchfork, you can get people in all kinds of fear, and people become very controllable when they're connected to fear rather than love. So it all becomes a big wake-up call. And we are here to do the wake-up job. And, we and we're glad that you're here to join us. Oh, great. Let's say hello to our caller. I think that this is uh, Yuma. Yumana, um, 808, you're on the air. Hi, aloha. Yes, it's Yumana. Hi, Yumana. Welcome. My apologies. <laughs> yes. Um, yes. Um, so I, I, you know, I'm just going to be completely honest, yeah, because I, I don't know. <laughs> That's the best way. I Go guess. for it. Um, you know, I've been on this path for a long time, yeah. And I know that a big part of my journey here is like the generational, I don't know. I'm not, I don't want to bring fear into the mind, but curses, yeah. But I know it's like I'm like a genera- generational breaker or something. Thought disorders of the generations, yes. Yeah. And, you know, it seems so overwhelming at times, you know, because, you know, uh, ego wants to come in and just tempt me with doubt and stuff like that and try to bring me back to see the patterns and stuff like that. And it's just sometimes I just, like, 
I, I liked what Jeannie was saying um, about, like, don't give up or something, you know. Cause, you know, I'll, I'll admit sometimes I'm just like, why am I doing this? Like, why, why do I have to, you know, fix myself or something, you know. Be the early <laughs> just, adopter. What did you say? Yeah, why do I have to be the early adopter, the first one in the family to do it? Yeah, like why do I need to be, you know? Because then I also noticed that a pattern of mine, which could, which is weird, is like I'm the one that will trigger others and then get triggered over the trigger, which is my own trigger. I don't know. It's kind of odd. But... Um, Actually, it's very but, common. Yeah. So... I was just wondering, what's your take on um, that, that, like, this part of me just feels like that's the ego, um, that it's just, like, it's impossible. <laughs> like, it just feels like it's impossible. I'm still getting over this cold, by the way. But, um, mm-hmm. so my voice sounds weird. But it's like, like, it's just, I just feel like it's impossible, like, I know it's not, but... Well, it's a huge task. There's no question about it. I mean, when you start realizing that this body-mind unit is a biocomputer that is designed through its senses to capture and store every frequency in the range of the senses, and those energetic patterns are stored holographically in every cell in the structure, including the sperm and the egg. So were you to conceive a child tomorrow, that child would have an instructure, every thought you've ever thought, every feeling you've ever felt, every reality you've ever engaged in, everything you've never resolved in your life, and every skill and wonder and beauty that you've achieved in your life is going to be passed on to the next generation. That is the way this multi-generational database called a body-mind unit works. And if you do the numbers... You know, if you if you count 30 generations, just do the math. You know, first there was 1, 2, 4, 8, 16, 32, 64, that mathematical progression. In just 30 generations, there are 1.6 billion people in your bloodline and mine. And then just go to generation 31, and now there are 3.2 billion people. Or pardon me, 32 billion people, 1.6, 3.2, 6.4, 12.8. You go back 35 generations, there are 12.8 billion people, lives in your genes. Yeah, it's a big task. And, you know, I personally don't know, haven't seen anywhere in my historical bloodline can't identify anybody that could even have had to, started to have the conversation you're having with me right now. So my offering would be, you've done the biggest breakthrough in that you comprehend the task there is to be done. And yes, it's a monumental task when you recognize that what ultimately needs to be done in order to truly live fully as a human being is we need to come to a level of vitality where we can literally blow off, remove, forgive every energy that is not supportive of love that's come through our genes from anybody in our bloodline. It's a pretty big task. 
But <laughs> once you realize it's there, what else is there to do? That's true. Yeah. But there is nothing else. <laughs> so patience yeah. patience is a virtue. You know, I can I can look at things. When I was a kid, I was almost actually the day I was my mother had toxemia the last 6 days I was in utero. And they gave her Pitocin to try to force me out. And the day I was being born, they called my father at work and said, if you want to see this kid alive, you better get down here because he's not going to live through survive the night. And I was almost dead three or four times the first year of my life. When I was a kid, the first two weeks of school every year, I was in an oxygen tent in the hospital. I wasn't in school. And I lived literally on an inhalator and pills. And there came a point where I realized that while that was keeping me alive, it was killing me. And I needed to do something. And that's what started my journey, started me looking at, wait a minute, there's got to be another way to do this. And about six years later, I left the business world. I literally closed down three businesses, went back to school to study naturopathic medicine, and this type of understanding and have been engaged in it full-time for the last 50 years. And, and I'll offer that. For me, the most important inner personal work that I've done in terms of my own process has happened in the last two to three years. And I've been working on it for 50 years, a little better than 50 years, actually, full-time. Yeah. I was engaged about six years prior to that part-time. Yeah. So it's a it's a major task, but you know when you create an opening and you reach another level, to me it's just so inspiring, so delightful, and so exciting. It's like who would want to do anything else? Well, Yeshua did it. We can do it. <laughs> there you go. That's it. Do you think that? That since Yeshua was uh, was in the Jewish bloodline, yeah, do you think that what, there's a significance in that? Like, I don't know. I'm not sure if I even know how to, if I answer. Uh, like, um, I don't know how to explain it. <laughs> no? Well, maybe ponder the question and we'll have another conversation in that regard. Okay. Yeah, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> yeah. So when you say, uh, Doctor, to uh, forgive, part of my mind, I'll be honest, even though I've been on this path for so long, and myself probably really, like, getting much more disciplined the past couple years, um, I, part of me just can't get over this forgiveness thing. Like, to you know, to forgive is to overlook and to not make illusions real. But then still there's part of me that still says, yes, Dr. Rice, actually, that. don't you know? <laughs> not actually, you yeah, yeah. My, my take would be that those things that you just mentioned are not forgiveness. They're the result of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the act. You know, when, when you realize, and Ginny had mentioned earlier, reality and actuality, you know, in this work, the output of the mind, the constructs of the mind perception are what I identify as reality. And then there's actuality. If a construct of the mind, a perceptual construct shows up containing some form of hostility or fear, 
what forgiveness looks like is knowing that that construct is driven by a goal, canceling, removing the goal from the mind, which causes the construct to collapse. Once the construct Uh. collapses, and if you look at the worksheet, you'll see in step four of the worksheet, you bring love, conscious, active, and present before you cancel that goal before you remove the goal so that the construct collapses. And when a pained construct collapses in on itself, into its own footprint and gives us access to that underlying trauma energy or hostility and fear-based energy. When we're in direct contact with the underlying hostility and fear-based energy and love is present, that fear-based or hostility-based energy dissolves. It dissipates, it disappears, it transmutes. That's forgiveness. The result is, well, I don't hang out with those judgments, those traumas, those dramas. I know how to dissolve them when they come up. Mm. So it's the dissolution of thought disorders and mental constructs that result in pain through the act of forgiveness. That would be my take. And that's where the worksheet comes in, the step-by-step. Step. Here's, here's how it's done. The first step, you proclaim who you are as love. The second step, you look at, you, you look at the situation and who's involved and what you're, you own your thoughts. You own the emotions that are moving. And then you step into a space of willingness. So I'm willing to go through the physical, mental, emotional symptoms of healing and, and then identify what's the goal that's driving this pained perception at this moment, establish love in the mind, make sure that it's solid and connected, then cancel the goal. And when the goal is canceled, it's the driver for that perception. You know, there's some interesting Harvard research that shows, and this is, you know, probably the most uh, well-researched and well or most uh, often quoted psychological piece of information in history goes back into the 50s and what they showed at Harvard was you know they had electrodes hooked up to the brain and they showed that in a time frame where there were 10,000 measurable units of electrical activity 10,000 brain cells firing that our conscious awareness the perceptual construct of the mind occupied a maximum of nine bits nine spaces out of that 10,000 so a little tiny framework and recognizing, and to me, it, and it took me over 30 years, almost 35 years, to understand this, working with first century Aramaic forgiveness, a la Yeshua's original Aramaic language. And that is that, obviously, if our perceptual constructs are made of a little tiny select bit of data, something must select that data. And what selects that data is our goals. Mm-hmm. In the Aramaic language, the word forgive is shabag or shabak, and it literally means to cancel. What do you cancel? You know, do I cancel the person that I'm looking at that I think is a problem in my life? Well, that's murder, probably not very wise. Do I cancel myself? Suicide? Thanks, I'll pass on that. What can I do? I can identify the goal that's driving, causing my unconscious to use pained content, unresolved generational content most likely, to build this pained structure called reality. By canceling the goal, I collapse my reality. 
And just like the 9-11 towers, when they collapsed, that reality collapses into its own footprint. You get to access what underlies it, whether it was something that happened when you were two or something that happened to great-great-grandmother or something that happened to great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather. It drops the, the energetic pattern at the root of this perceived pain becomes available when we allow the mind to collapse into it. And when that comes forward, when that root energy comes forward in the presence of love, that's where the transmutation takes place. That's where the actual forgiveness occurs. So that's the step-by-step worksheet process that we've uh, we've developed over the last 50 years or so. Aramaic Keys of Life. I have a lot of things printed out, but I'm not sure if I have that worksheet. <clears throat> okay. Well, uh, I anyway. think did I did I send you an article? Yeah, maybe that's it. It's 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 yeah. in there. You can also okay. go to your app store on your phone, and in yeah. the app store, type in Heartland Aramaic Forgiveness, and you'll see the world's only forgiveness app and the worksheet. There are actually two different versions: a simpler, and then the standard version of the worksheet. And you can do the worksheet right there on your phone. And also, Jeannie's Jeannie designed that in. On any page in the uh, in the app, if you've got a question, you go, geez, you know, this step two doesn't make sense. Why am I doing this? There's a button you can click, ask your question. Geez, something about this, you know, whatever the question is, hit send, and Jeannie will get it and will read that the next day on the radio show and then send you back an email telling you uh, when we answered it and a link to the show so you get your answer. Thank so you, that's Dr. built right Ray. into the app. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah Actually, Jeannie's the one to thank for that one. Thank you, Jeannie. I just, or Jeanette. You're welcome. <laughs> I just put uh-huh. in the notes for today. So, like, if you go to the website and you click on the microphone, then over on the right-hand side you'll see, like, the year, the month, and then it's by the day. And uh, so in the notes for today, I put a link to as free three-hour, why is this happening to me again? And I think I put that in the notes that I sent to everybody that was in the Still Point Breathing. It is in there. But you can watch that. And then I also put in a link to the PowerPoint presentation, which, you know, kind of helps because it's a visual that you can watch and it explains the forgiveness process in a PowerPoint. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, And deserving. (laughs) That's right. Yay. All right, young lady. Appreciate the call. Keep in touch with us. And anytime there's a question, we're here. That's what we're doing this show for, to keep on top of people's questions. And, and of course, every time somebody asks a question that I haven't asked yet, I get to learn something else. So thank you for your questions. Thank you. Aloha. Aloha. Mahalo. Thanks, everybody, for joining us at the best year yet of your eternal life. It's an awesome gift to give the world. Blessings. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Mind Shifters Radio with Dr. Michael Rice and myself, Jeannie Rice, and Dr. Tim Hayes and Michelle Pache as we present the first century Aramaic internal process of forgiveness. 
We are here for two hours every Monday through Friday from 12 noon to 2 o'clock Eastern Time on MindShifters Radio. For more information on Aramaic Forgiveness, please visit www.whyagain.org. That's www.whyagain.org. 